hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Buy Mastery Podcast, where our focus is on providing tools, resources, and insights that empower driven individuals to become the masters of their own financial independence journey. My name is Peter Donisanu, and today we're going to talk about how to become a better investor in the year ahead. More specifically, we'll discuss the concept of risk tolerance and the role it plays in helping you stay grounded when the market moves against your best laid plans. That's why in today's episode, we'll cover what risk tolerance is all about, the three ways many investors think about risk, and the different tools available to help you identify your risk tolerance and ultimately help you navigate uncertainty with confidence. So with that, let's dive into today's podcast. A solid investment strategy seems to work until something comes along at left field to knock it off track. You know, as the former heavyweight champ Mike Tyson is known to have said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And when it comes to the investing world, we sometimes call these big, unexpected market and economic events black swans. So why should you care about black swans? Well, you should care because how you respond to these significant events can make the difference between reaching your financial goals and seeing them fall short. You see, it's one thing to understand that financial markets are inherently volatile and how diverse diversification can help you reduce some of these risks. Add in a little asset allocation and just spread the risk across various investments, right? Well, certainly yes, but it's another thing to be able to emotionally stick to your strategy when the markets seem to be walloping your best laid plans. Indeed, without truly understanding your own tolerance for risk, those inevitable black swans can lead to poor decision making, lead to heightened emotional stress, and bring about a higher likelihood of not achieving your financial goals. That's why by truly understanding your risk tolerance, identifying tools for evaluating your own tolerance for risk and finding the right balance between risk and reward, you can enable yourself to become a better investor in the year ahead by making sound investment decisions and ultimately feeling more confident even when the market or the economy are at its worst. All right, so what exactly do we mean here by risk tolerance? Well, understanding your investment risk tolerance is ultimately about knowing how much money you're willing to put on the line in order to see a gain sometime in the future. It's like having a roadmap for making investment decisions tailored to your emotional well-being. Indeed, when unexpected black swans or other rare events happen in the markets as they typically do, if you don't have a solid plan in place, then you'll likely default your strategy to chasing underperforming perceived safe haven assets or bail on investing altogether when the markets get shaky. On the other hand, even if you're okay with taking on more risk, you might pick investments that can earn a lot during the good times only to lose your shirt when the tide goes out. That's why understanding your risk tolerance can help you make better choices and help you stick to your plans even when the market is unpredictable. Here again, it's all about making investment decisions that both fit your goals and how much risk you're willing to take. And so what exactly do we mean here by the word risk? Well, when thinking about your investments, it's essential to distinguish between risk tolerance, risk capacity, and risk perceptions, as these concepts can shape your investment strategies in different ways. How so? Well, when we're talking about risk tolerance, in this case, what we're referring to here is the potential for loss of capital. In other words, it's about how much of a financial loss on paper you can emotionally handle without feeling overly stressed or compelled to make hasty decisions in your investment portfolio. For example, if a drop of 20, 30 or even 40% in your investment portfolio makes you anxious and keeps you up at night, then it might mean that you have a low tolerance for risk. All right, so now that you have an idea of what risk tolerance is about, let's talk about risk capacity. Now, risk capacity, on the other hand, is more about your financial ability to withstand losses. More specifically, in this context, think about factors like your age, your income, your financial obligations, or your overall investment goals. Here, it's not just about how you feel about risk, but it's more about how much risk you could actually afford to take. For example, if you're young, have a stable 
stable income and are investing for the long term, then your risk capacity might be higher, meaning you can afford to take more financial risks. On the other hand, if you're living off a fixed income and all you have is your savings, then you likely have a lower capacity for risk. And finally, when it comes to talking about risk, we have the concept of risk perception. Now, risk perception here again is a little bit different, and that's because it's not just about how you feel when the markets move up and down or your situational ability to handle risk. Instead, it's about how you understand and interpret the risks involved in all the different investment choices that are available to you, which is often influenced by past experiences, what's going on in the news, and how information is actually presented to you. And so what exactly do we mean here? Well, if you've had a bad experience with stocks in the past, you might perceive them as riskier than they actually are. On the other hand, if you're constantly tuned into the media's reporting on market declines or an inevitable economic collapse, then you might perceive the market as more volatile than it really is. All right, so how do these pieces of the puzzle, this risk puzzle fit together? Well, when taken together, while your risk tolerance and risk perception might make you more wary of certain investments, your risk capacity could indicate that you're actually in a good position to take on more risk. So then take some time to ask yourself, do I truly understand my own risk tolerance, risk capacity, and risk perception? And how do these pieces come together in my own life to influence my own investment strategy? You know, the answer to this question is critical because it can help you not only choose the right investments, it can help you make wise investing decisions no matter what's going on in the markets or in the economy. All right, so now that you understand the three characteristics of risk, it's now time to talk about how to actually evaluate these three factors in your own life. And so how do you actually go about doing this work? Well, when it comes to evaluating your risk tolerance, there are a number of approaches to choose from, but generally speaking, they're broken down into qualitative and quantitative tools. All right, so what do we mean here by qualitative tools? Well, these are measures of risk that are more subjective and typically harder to measure, but generally more intuitive to understand. How so? Well, think about your past experiences with investing and consider how you felt in those times when the market was trading down and it appeared that you were taking significant paper losses. Did you feel anxious? Did you feel worried? Or were you calm knowing that these sort of moves in the markets are part of the investment process? Whatever your response at the time was, it's critical to note here that your emotional reactions to these situations can give you some insights into your overall risk tolerance. Now, another qualitative method for evaluating your risk tolerance is to consider hypothetical scenarios. And what exactly are we talking about here? Well, here what you'll want to do is imagine how you'd react if a black swan event happened like a severe recession, an unfavorable political outcome, or an outbreak of war. In scenarios like this, would you want to sell everything and get out of the market if risk assets fell 20, 30, or 40%? Or would you be willing to wait patiently for a potential recovery? Finally, think about your life goals and how they fit into your overall investment strategy. Now, if you're still a decade or two away from your definition of financial independence, then you might feel more comfortable taking on more risk compared to if you were planning to use your savings to buy a home in the next few years. And while you're at it, consider having a discussion with your family, with your friends, or even your financial advisor about your views and attitudes towards money and investing in general. And so why would you take this approach? Well, sometimes talking through your thoughts and your feelings about hypothetical market conditions in the context of your financial and life goals can help bring clarity to truly dialing in your own risk tolerance. So that's a little bit about the qualitative tools or qualitative approaches available to evaluating your risk tolerance. Now let's shift our focus to quantitative tools. All right, so if taking a qualitative approach helps you understand how you can subjectively think about risk, the big question here is how can you get a more objective view about your risk tolerance? Well, that's where quantitative tools come into play. And what exactly do we mean by quantitative tools? Well, when it comes to quantitatively understanding your risk tolerance, there are several approaches that help put firm numbers on how you think and feel about risk. Now, one common tool that's used in the industry is called a risk tolerance questionnaire. Now, this assessment typically involves answering a series of questions about your financial situation, your investment goals, and your attitude towards investment risk. And so the answers you provide here are scored and translated into a risk profile, which is compared to a peer group. And the overall answer then suggests how much 
much risk you're comfortably willing to handle when it comes to your investment portfolio. For example, the questionnaire may ask you about your income, how long you plan to invest, and how you'd react to a drop in the value of your investments during periods of heightened market volatility. Here again, these responses are then standardized and compared to a peer group to help you understand your measure of risk and whether it's generally high or low compared to a peer group. Another quantitative tool to evaluate risk that you may want to consider is called a Monte Carlo simulation. Now, these tools are often used in the preparation of a financial plan and involves using computer models to show you how different investment strategies may perform under various market conditions. At the same time, these simulations show the likelihood of your investment strategy falling short given various positive and negative market conditions. And finally, from a quantitative perspective, you can use financial planning software to analyze your entire financial situation, including your assets, your liabilities, your income and expenses, so you can get a better insight into your risk capacity, or more specifically, your ability to handle risk. Now, this kind of software often includes modules that help determine an appropriate level of investment risk based on your financial goals and investing timeline. So then of these qualitative and quantitative options, which one's the right one for you? Well, here, there's no one right approach to evaluating your risk tolerance, but you can start by asking, am I looking for a quick assessment or a deeper understanding of my tolerance for risk? So then if you're more of a numbers person, then you might find the output of quantitative tools like questionnaires or Monte Carlo simulations more helpful. On the other hand, if you're more of a feeling or intuitive type individual, then qualitative tools or discussions with friends, family, or your trusted advisor could help you better dial in your investment risk tolerance. Either way, the main takeaway here is that it's prudent to take the time to evaluate your own comfort with risk so that you can have a better picture of how to tailor your overall investment strategy. All right, so we've talked about understanding the key components of risk and how to evaluate your own risk tolerance. Now, the big question here is how do we put all the pieces together to identify your ideal investment strategy? Well, that's where an investment policy statement or an IPS comes into play. Now, your IPS is a document you either create alone or with a financial planner that outlines your investment goals, strategies, and security preferences. You can think of it as a guide that keeps you focused on the long term, especially when uncertainties arise and markets get volatile. And so where does risk tolerance fit into the picture here? Well, when you're preparing your IPS, what you know about your risk tolerance will likely define how much risk you're comfortably willing to take and what that will look like in your investment portfolio. And so based on your risk tolerance, your risk capacity, and your risk preference, you can begin laying out the right asset allocation for your overall investment strategy. And what do we mean by asset allocation? Well, you'll likely recall that selecting an asset allocation mix is where you decide how to divide your investments between different asset classes like stocks, bonds, cash, U.S. and international investments. That's why your risk tolerance, your risk capacity, and your risk perception are key here. And so how does this work? Well, if you have a higher risk tolerance and greater risk capacity, or in other words, you're more comfortable with potential market fluctuations and can afford to take on more risk, then you might lean towards a higher percentage of stocks in your portfolio. That's because stocks generally offer higher potential returns, but come with more volatility that you have to be comfortable with. So then this approach could suit you if you're investing for the long term and can write out the ups and downs in the markets. On the other hand, if you're more risk averse or have a lower risk capacity, then your asset allocation may have fewer stocks and include a higher allocation to bonds. And why bonds? Well, that's because bonds are typically less volatile than stocks and history has shown that they provide more stable returns, making them suitable if you're looking for safer investments or you need access to your money sooner rather than later. And finally, your asset allocation decision will likely also include some mix of cash or cash equivalents like money market funds. And why would cash be part of your overall investment strategy? Well, in many cases, cash provides stability and liquidity, which can be reassuring if the market is turbulent or if you need quick access to cash, especially if you're living off your savings versus saving for the future. Either way, the key here is to find a balance that fits your comfort level and financial goals, while also appreciating that your life circumstances, your overall life goals, and your views on risk will evolve over time. That's why reviewing your IPS on the regular and adjusting your asset allocation over time can help ensure that your
your investment strategy stays aligned with your current situation and your future life goals. You know, when it comes to those unpredictable black swan events in the economy or the stock market, there's little that we can control. But here's the thing, we can choose how we respond to these surprises every step of the way. So then getting clear about the difference between how much risk you're comfortable with, how much risk you can actually afford to take on, and how you see and understand risk is generally a good start. And once you've got that sorted out, then you can fine tune your investments to find that sweet spot between risk and reward that feels just right for you. Ultimately, this work isn't just about numbers and charts. It's about dialing in a risk profile and creating an investment roadmap that no matter what's going on in the markets and the economy, allows you to sleep well at night, all while taking you one step closer to becoming the master of your own financial independence journey. Well, that's it for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Mastery podcast. To learn more about today's topic, you can visit the episodes page at FiMastery.com. And if you can find one person in your life who would find today's message helpful in getting their financial house in order, please share this episode with them. But until next time, I'm Peter Donisano, wishing you and yours abundant health and prosperity. The Five Mastery podcast is brought to you by Franklin Madison Advisors, Inc. Franklin Madison Advisors is a registered investment advisor firm with its registration and principal place of business in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Registration of an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. This commentary and forecast is limited to the dissemination of general information pertaining to Franklin Madison Advisors investment advisory services and general economic and market conditions and are subject to change without notice. The information shared today is not intended to be personal, legal, investment, or tax advice, or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. For additional information about Franklin Madison Advisors, including fees and services, please contact Franklin Madison Advisors or refer to the Investment Advisor Public Disclosures.